Please listen carefully. I'm, I'm exhausted now talking about being tired. <laughs> I'll probably take a nap after this. What's up, sisters? Welcome back to another episode of Everyone and Their Sister, the trashiest podcast you listen to. I'm Christina. I'm Natasha. And I'm Stephanie. And today's episode is all about that beautiful trash TV, our guilty pleasures, the love to hate, hate to love shit, we cannot stop watching, the TV industry that held up Kim Kardashian West and everything else that it stands for. Uh, that's what we're chatting about today. Our most trashiest loves, whether we're still watching them, whether we used to watch them, um, that's what we're going to talk about. And I think this is going to be a super easy episode for some of us, but in particular, Steph. You guys say that, but like, I'm looking back. I haven't watched reality reality trash in six months, possibly longer. That is fine because you're still the person that's like, watched the the NASCAR show. No, it forced F1. one. F1. 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 That's not uh, trash. F1. Is that trash? Yes. You'd uh, call that trash reality TV? 1000%. Yeah. Wow, really? I'll be honest with you. Most, if not all, reality TV is trash. Wow. So cheer is trash. I would, I don't know. There's like a scale, right? Like Lulu Lulu Rich. I mean, yeah, there is definitely a scale because there's some that were like they definitely put on a lot of like There's reality scripted lines. and there's reality yeah. unscripted. I see that I that's what I disagree with. I don't think there's a thing as reality unscripted. I think all reality How, but is you can't to fake. a extent, You can't fake an F1 level. race win. Yeah, but that's I not mean, what you're watching for, Steph. You know yeah. that. You and all the rest of us. But at the end of the day, but at the end of the day, you're seeing who won this season. You can't fake that. That's the interaction. That's incidental. Yeah, like cheer is the same. You can't fake who's gonna win or lose the fucking thing. But you can absolutely be like, well, we know this is what happened with Jerry. So we're gonna talk about Jerry very briefly here, and then bring it in dramatically in the center of the season. And also, like, to be clear, from the moment that reality television existed, like, the most, the biggest one outside of Big Brother was, like, the thing that started all of this was, oh, my God. Who, Survivor? Like, the blonde lady? No, no. Conrad. Oh. Lauren Conrad. Her show. Oh, oh the hills. Oh, yeah. The hills. Laguna Beach. And, like, that was actively a scripted reality show. And everything since then has been based off of that. Even Cheer, I'm sorry, like, the second season of Cheer, I would actually argue, became trash TV. Because it really started to lean in more into like the classic trash TV elements, even though it had one really good episode, which was the episode talking about Jerry. So like, while I agree with you, you're totally right. There's absolutely a scale. There's a difference between cheer and selling sunset for sure. But the difference is not that vast. The scale is like from one to two and then everything's at like a decimal level. Basically, what is trash TV? What are we defining trash TV as? I don't know what it has. Yeah. I think, I, I, I wouldn't say it's bad tv like when we say trash i think that's a like almost like a, a bit of a misnomer it's more like you don't watch it for the quality the quality or i don't i don't know that you have good intentions going in when you watch you know what i mean like i mean I'm you want to be in for entertained yeah you want to yes. be entertained yeah. it's engaging it's it's exploitative is what it is and i think yeah. that's what we have to make clear because even those ones that are like they're not documentaries that's the thing. No. Like, these reality shows aren't... That's a difference. They're not documentaries. Documentaries are very, very different. Totally different vibe. And you're going in there to be educated, for the most part, or learn something new. 
<laughs> I'm learning I about learn, F1. Yes. And while I do learn a lot of new things from reality television slash trash TV, yeah. I, I'm learning more that I am probably a better person than a lot of these people. And that's... <laughs> And like it's it, it, like there's an, a satisfying like Schadenfreude, yeah, but not necessarily Schadenfreude because their lives aren't always bad. Yeah, but it's nice to watch. Not nice, but there's something about watching it where you're like, wow, you suck. But then at the same time, <laughs> you're invested in their in their fucking yeah. personal lives in their, anyway. jur- in their journey. So yeah, um, that, I think but, that's trash TV. <laughs> and I will say too, there is an element of fictional trash TV as well, which is that like popcorn bite size i think trash fictional television is actively not good it's not well written characters are not fully fleshed but there is something about it that is hard to look away from and this is where i would classify like emily in paris emily Mm -hmm. in paris was so bad it should have never had a season two but i understand the enjoyment of watching because i did watch season one that is classic trash TV. That is like bubblegum television. It is providing nothing of value and nothing of quality, but there is something about it that you're like, I have to watch this train. I have to watch this idiot navigate this obscene like situation that makes no sense. And I think that's where like the fictional side comes in. Whereas like definitely I think exploitative is the right word for the reality side of it. Yeah. So Steph, what's your trash pick i i don't even know i mean i guess the real thing so when i know i'm invested in a reality tv show it's like i've googled every single person on the cast list i know their backstories i know their life stories i know what happened when and i guess essentially i should start at the beginning because i was like i could talk about f1 but i already have (laughs) uh still recommend it do I care about the race finale? No. <laughs> I care about the boy shit that happens on previously. But I guess I'm picking the archetype of this kind of reality show, which was Laguna Beach, which then bounced off every Real Housewives, Real Housewives of whatever city um, franchise. So someone on TikTok was rewatching Laguna Beach and Every single, like, clip I saw, I'm like, oh, my God, I know exactly who this person is. I remembered all their names. I remembered who dated who. I remembered this girl was a bitch. I wonder what happened to her now. I feel like I remember when that guy died because later on, like, this guy had a drug problem. He dated LC. Someone talked about LC's vagina. Like, literally crazy shit. And I was like, this has all come flooding back to me. I went to that. So then, of course, LC was so popular. So Laguna Beach, I think there was either three or four seasons. So first two seasons had Elsie. Then she moved to Los Angeles to go to school. Oh, she went to San Francisco for school. But then she moved to L.A. and did an internship with Teen Vogue. And then she got her show, The Hills, which I think then exploded everything else. Uh, Where was I going with this? I have no idea. I have no idea either. a fictional show at one point. The archetype. Which, to be fair... The Hills, very famously, is a fictional show. Oh. And a lot of people were surprised that it was scripted because it presented itself as such, that it wasn't when it was openly fully scripted. Yeah. Well, yeah, who says no to going to Paris for your shitty boyfriend, Elsie? Um, but the point I was trying to make for this was that, so they had The Hills after show at MTV downtown Toronto in high school, and I would go to watch it, and Dan Levy was the host at the time. Oh, my God. Oh my God. With Jesse Crookshank, and then um, I remember Jesse Crookshank. Yeah, so they had a Hills After Show, and you so you'd watch from like nine nine thirty to ten would be the show. 
the hills and then afterwards it'd be 10 to 10 30 would be the live after show where they would talk to people about what what like just d- dissect the whole episode and like it's that was think that even then that was like the early version of like chris hayes or whatever doing the live after shows of, like the bachelor and stuff like that like oh my god i forgot that that even existed yeah or it, or when andy andy cohen andy oh, cohen has andy his cohen. what what happens live <laughs> and then the reunion like all these so that was i we were born we were in that heyday of like explosion of reality tv which is crazy to think about and like literally i remember every single person on laguna beach their storylines who i hated who i loved who should have dated who shouldn't dated then like i follow up on them kind of like years later to be like what happened to these people one of them's a mormon now uh she's a mormon she went to the utah what's the brigham young university she's like i want to go to brigham young university to find a man and she did Morgan, Morgan Smith. I know your full name. (laughs) (laughs) And fascinating that 10 years later at this point, maybe possibly more. Yeah, maybe like 13 years, years, 13, 13 years later, it all came flooding back because I would watch this obsessively. I had it on DVD uh, and I was like, that's how high school should be. And then when you watch it again, so these are all in high school and then I'm watching it now in my 20s. I was like, oh, they were drunk. And I didn't put two and two together. I'm like, oh, no, the water bottles that they're holding that they tried to cut out is full of vodka. And like could not put I did not put two and two together. And like these were the rich these rich kids in Laguna Beach with their BMW rides like crazy shit. (sighs) But like I would say if you had never seen Laguna Beach, you should just watch it to see how that unfolds because it's crazy sauce. One of them ended up being an actor. Stephen Coletti was on One Tree Hill. I mean, that very much was, like, the prototype. Like, of the different kinds of reality TV, Big Brother was the first one and the prototype for all the, like, competition-style ones. Yeah. Even Survivor. Even competition. Yeah. And then Laguna Beach is the prototype for Real, Real Housewives, uh, Keeping Up with the Kardashians. All the, like, let's just follow around these group of people because they're rich. And they were right. <laughs> it's funny because the most famous person out of any of this is Dan Levy. Amazing. <laughs> it's not <Good>. fun. <laughs> like, that's, tr- that's he... just correct, though. <laughs> yeah, that's the correct. D- did I know he wanted to be an actor? No, but here we he are. He had the most talent. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He, knew, he, knew, he knew what entertains because he would dissect those reality TV episodes. And so he knew he was like, when I make Shits Creek. <laughs> they had a live reunion in, like, L.A. Oh, God. And, like, yeah. the cast would come. Like, it was a phenomenon, as you say it. Uh, well, I was going to say, I can start in on mine. But, like, when I think, like, the very first reality show I ever watched, I had to, like, think back real hard. Because, like, I was going to say, like, oh, I probably didn't watch anything until Real Housewives of Salt Lake City. But that's simply false. Yeah. Um, Because I clearly, like, grew up in the time of, like, the real world was, like, this up-and-coming reality show that was, like, a... Because, like, it wasn't really, like, a competition, but, like, there was a whole house concept where, like, you get, like, a group of strangers living in a house and, like, shit goes down. And that basically shot off so many different versions of reality television, including, including competitions like Big Brother. 
Um, other way around. Oh, was it the other way around? Okay. Big Brother came first. Okay. Big Brother well, that was a sense. social experiment done in the UK where they put a bunch of people in the house and they just filmed them for 24 hours. And if you were in England at any point in time, you could go to this one TV channel and it would show <laughs> you just different cameras. Just, sometimes yeah. cameras would just be like people sleeping. And then when they, I think it was when they brought it over to America, it became a competition show. Of course. And now... And then that spawned the real world, the surreal world, and all the like lock people yeah. in the first ones. And they had like another one that was I only ever watched during the summer for some reason when they do reruns, but I can't remember what it was called. But it had a similar vibe to the real world where there was one house, but they did like a celebrity edition where it was surreal like surreal world. Okay, it was surreal world yeah. then. And then it was like I think like at some point you know that porn actor. The balding one with the big dick. Jeremy? Yeah, Jeremy something. Yeah. yeah. He was on a... Ron Jeremy? Is Jeremy's Maybe. last name, I think? Yeah, something like that. But he was on, like, a season, and that was, like, a whole weird thing because there was, like, this weird, like... I- <laughs> he like he's not what you would expect him to be and then i was like is that like that is that part scripted like it was just such a weird combination of like things and then i watched like flavor of love for like a whole like summer did you watch fear factor i didn't watch fear factor i wasn't really into i will say i don't think i've ever been into competition shows it's just the challenge i don't like when people are fighting i don't (laughs) i also don't like games where you're fighting so like i don't know what this this is like my own thing like i just don't like them i think like the most i can get away with is like a very like comfort watch like great british bake-off or Mm. like um like what's what's another one that is on netflix now nailed it nailed it is a good one because like it's a competition but it like doesn't feel like a you know what i mean like it's it's a comfort like it's a competition for nothing (laughs) exactly it's it's when there's no stakes there's something fun about it and more pleasant and when people are helping like school of chocolate is one of those like people are helping each other and when there's one asshole you're like i really fucking hate this person but they'd be good in a comp like a competitive show obviously but i'm like but i didn't watch this for the competition anyway that's like my whole spiel about that i liked watching certain aspects but i never like stuck with anything fully all the way through um and then i don't know who it was that made me watch it maybe it was you steph maybe it was mariam Real Housewives of Salt Lake City happened, like, what, two years ago? I mean, you watched that. You probably watched that because the trailer was so good. The trailer was good. And also, you tempted me with Mormons. And what could I say? Even though there's only one actual Mormon on that show, which is hilarious. And one person is married to her step-grandfather. Exactly. And you know what? I went in and I was like, you know, I do like some insanity in my life. Just not preferably not my own personal life. So I will (laughs) deal with watching other people's insanity. And I thought, I honestly thought that was going to be my pick for today. But it is not because recently, as of what I don't know, three days ago, I've finished three seasons of Shaws of Sunset. Damn. Which, if you do not know this show, <laughs> it's okay. This is why it's so much better. A, it's it's a lot older and it's like the same people. I will say because like with Real Housewives, it's the same people. But I do you find that like the care like the people switch out a lot more often sometimes. Like there's usually one or two that stay longer yeah. than others. But like with Shaza Sunset, they're kind of like a family. And so splitting them up seems weird. And they actually interact outside of these situations because it's like a Persian group of people. So like for those who don't know, this show started in like 2011, 2012-ish. So like, I don't know, like middle middle days of like the boom of Real Housewives, essentially. Um and so, like, I think for one season, it ran for, like, nine episodes. It didn't get picked up immediately, actually. And I think probably part of that is because it's, like, about a group of Persians that are, like, yeah. friends. Was it always on Bravo? 
It was always on Bravo. Okay. Um, and then I think it got like kind of like it had like a double streaming situation that happened to it as well, similar to Teen Wolf. And I think that's what helped mm-hmm. it. But, you know, but it also, be- let me say something. In Canada, you could watch it on the Omni channel. <laughs> See, <laughs> I like this the commercials is, when it came out. <laughs> See, this is what was so weird about the show. And then like, so it did eventually get picked up for another season and it is still running to this day at season nine. Um, but like, basically, it's a bunch of like people from Iran aka the persians slash the shahs of sunset that have moved to um beverly hills i believe but they call it um tarantulas because tehran and then it's like it's a similar vibe because there's so many persian people in this area of la um and so it follows their like dramas with each other some of them have been friends since childhood which is a really interesting aspect because i find with like well with real housewives of salt lake city some of them have only known each other for like a couple years not even and then some have known each other since like high school but they weren't like close they only knew each other through like their mormon families situation whereas like this is like real persian closeness like they know each other's parents their parents know each other's parents they're like all friends some of them know where they came came from in like iran or like pre-iran as well when iran didn't exist and so like you would think like the drama is the main reason I watch the show and part of it is that because some of it is like very outdated drama because it's from 2012 so you're like what the fuck (laughs) but then part of it is that no other reality show has their fucking food spreads the way that they do in this show (laughs) like I don't know how to explain like I just told you guys that I ordered so much fucking Greek food because all the Persian restaurants near me were closed when I tried to order last night but their spreads drive me crazy like and the thing is they eat them they don't just like let oh, them yeah. sit around they're fucking eat it. like okay so like there was <laughs> here's an example i'm on season three two of the main besties who have been friends since like they were in diapers had a huge fucking fight during the fight early part of the season the guy comes over to like warn warn this like friend who was like an ex-friend at the time that okay this person is gonna like uninvite you from her birthday and you're gonna be held by security at the front that's what she's hoping for essentially and he's like i just want to warn you i don't want you sitting out there like you're not like he's like i love you you're not my friend right now but you're blood (laughs) he's like i just want you to know which is like my favorite line ever but like he's like i just don't want you to be stuck out there and when she brings him in she spends like half an hour in the kitchen trying to figure out what to do and then just brings out water and lemons and i thought that was the most offensive thing i've ever seen because later when they make up when he comes over last minute, she has a full fucking spread out for him. Grapes. They've got the they've got the 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 fucking champagne cooling in a bucket of ice. She's got like fucking like little meat skewers going on. And I was like, who the fuck? <laughs> like, where did she whip this out from? Like, <laughs> and like was specific- always have a full spread ready to go. Like they everyone always has a full spread, and they're so good at their spreads. And I'm like, like Reza, one of the one of the main dudes. He had like a spread where he had his grapes piled so high in a tower that I was like, who spent all that time putting them up in that tower? But he makes it seem like it's him. I'm like, surely it's not. Surely it's got to be. And like, it makes you so hungry all the time. Like, I'm constantly thinking about food now when I'm watching this show. They could have whatever fight, but I'm like, okay, what's that person eating right now? Like, (laughs) what's going on there? And like yeah like obviously it's very exploitative and there's some fights that are have absolutely been scripted and some where i just people don't get along and they kind of like lean into that thing um and that part is really interesting but the show is just so like it ropes you in a because like 
A, it's reality television ropes you in. B, it's different than what I normally watch because it's like a Persian family and there's like a familiarity with it that I find that I'm like, uh, yeah, like when like Raza, who's one of the main characters, he's openly gay now in his like adulthood and he's like, oh, he must be like in his 40s now. And there's a part where he talks about his father and like making up with him and there's like this whole like dramatic scene and obviously parts of this have been scripted but there's something so familiar with that with like the shame and the guilt and like like issues that they're having with their family and so like at the same time while I'm like oh my god this is so exploitative I'm crying because I'm like <laughs> I care about you <laughs> like, like I don't even know I don't under like even when they're in like stupid fights like there's this one point where like he accuses his best friend of being um an alcoholic and uh an addict of drugs and he's like yeah you're such a pill popper blah 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 blah. and i was like (gasps) (laughs) and like it became like his whole like storyline that like he embarrassed her at the reunion with andy cohen and also this is what also makes the show amazing because andy cohen this white man is in the middle of these reunions fucking full-on spread also again not unlike so many of like the housewives things you don't really see that full-ass spread that like is ginormous and you can see them all eyeing the food like they want to eat it and like on the normal reunions they don't eat it but then you'll see like mike like the 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 guy that described himself as like the alpha male in the first episode was like oh i'm gonna fucking hate this guy turns out to be the softest boy ever and you're like what the (laughs) fuck and he goes and you see him grab like a thing of grapes and he's like you can see him shoving them in his mouth as people are fighting on set i mean fuck yeah and it's so it's so charming in that way and then andy cohen's there like as they're all arguing in farsi and he's just like what's happening (laughs) i just like that you know andy cohen has studied every episode because he has to and then he'll come in with the hard-hitting questions he comes in with the hard-hitting questions and he actually was speaking some farsi with them which i thought was really cute and he has pronunciation was amazing like i was he does fascinated. his homework he does he his really does and i was like man this guy's really good at hosting these things like imagine what it's like I to mean, be like king of reality 400 tv a year you would hope that you'd be good it's at it insanity i'm like how does he keep any of these people straight like i'd be like <laughs> so, there's so many of them someone was saying that they he gives out his phone number like sparingly so they'll he, real housewives will text him like personally to like chat with him about things that they've seen okay so my biggest reveal for this shaza sunset thing is like you know how the um, each of the reality shows they always start with like one person is the connection in essentially and that's the person that creates the group chooses the people whatever and that's when you can tell like some are more shallow relationships than others I was like, I remember when Salt Lake City started, I was convinced Lisa Barlow was the reason why it was created. Like, she had to be the connection in. I just didn't know how. I was like, oh, she's like the Sundance queen. She does like the Sundance marketing or whatever. So that makes sense. She has her own tequila company. Shaz of Sunset, season three. Lisa Barlow's in it. (laughs) I was like, oh my God, this is how it started. Because... One of the main characters who's only a main for two seasons on Shaza Sunset, because again, I know all the characters and I did Google all of them. <laughs> She's on there. She has her own uh, bikini company. She like left her law practice to run this bikini company that is actually quite su- successful. She gets sought out by another company, like a stupid t-shirt company um, called like Long Hair Don't Care. And it, the marketing director there is trying to hire her as like a creative director to have her own line of bikinis with them. And so she'd have like all that, but even though it would be kind of in competition, she would get like six figures. She would have like a stock in the company or whatever, ownership of her materials, whatever. 
she is like, okay, well, I want to talk to the marketing director. The publicist calls the marketing director. And guess who picks up the fucking phone? Lisa Barlow. And I was like, are you joking? And then when she hangs up the call, she's like, oh, is this Lisa? She's beautiful. And I was like, (gasps) like the way she basically called her baby gorgeous. (laughs) Lisa's favorite phrase. I love this show. I can't stop watching it. I think I definitely love it more than Salt Lake City. There's just like the kind of drama in the show is like insanity. Like they definitely created in season three a storyline where Reza is dealing with his inner homophobia and guilt about being um, gay. But like it's it's been put on for camera. And again, it's exploitative and you could tell it. But I'm still sitting there. Michelle comes in on me yelling at the screen about... (laughs) him doing stupid shit and i'm like i know this is made up but i'm still screaming at the screen like like i can change his mind like i can it's happened already i don't know i don't know this is how trash tv gets are you ready for real housewives of dubai is there gonna be a dubai oh yeah yeah there's a good chance real Housewives of dubai might be a bunch of uh immigrant white people so basically michelle has not been like watching the full seasons but she's been watching some of it and like we kept making certain scenarios of like what we'd be like on reality television and who our character would be essentially. Oh God. And we're like, okay, well if we had like an externs like reality television show, which would be actually probably very entertaining, exploitative, yes, but entertaining. And we were like, well we have to have one crazy person. Who would the crazy person be? And I was like, it would be me. <laughs> Who's the villain? It would be me. I feel like I'm the only one that would go extreme enough to do it. And the thing is, I can tap into that anger. It's fine. So you'd be creating fake drama behind the scenes. Exactly. It's always there simmering below the surface. I just have a really good tamp down on it thing right now. Clearly. Wow. (laughs) It's fine. I can can bring it up. But like there's this one character on Shaza Sunset, Gigi. She's absolutely fucking insane like i don't know how to tell you like you think you think jen shaw is insane on fucking salt lake city sometimes no she just needs therapy she's got some anger issues it's whatever Gigi, in the same sentence she was talking to somebody they were like well you said you said you would do this and she's like no i didn't when did i say that he's like just two seconds ago and then she'll be like yeah i did say that blah 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 blah, blah. and then he's like yeah you just said it there she's like when did i just say that she'll like it's not like she's gaslighting them she actually in her eyes you can see she's absolutely lost her fucking mind <laughs> like, like, there are moments where they'll like flash in on the wine glass flash in on like maybe a pill or two and then she just takes it and she like her pregnant sister was sitting in front of her and she's like i just want to cut your face right now <laughs> with a knife and i was like Gigi's fucking insane and, like, the thing is, when she's not insane, you feel so bad for her because people know that she clearly has some mental health issues, but they exploit those mental health issues. They, A, gaslight her, which makes her feel like she's insane. Therefore, she goes insane. And this is why she reacts extremely as she does. And then, B, like, they know that they can take advantage of her by not apologizing for things that she's done or let her take the fall for things that they've done which happens a lot and so like on the one hand i feel bad for Gigi during the show but on the other hand i'm like she's absolutely fucking insane <laughs> because i'm like there is no reason no reason she you should be reacting this dramatically but then i was like if we had an extra reality show i would be Gigi, and i would lean into that insanity and you guys would not want to be alone in the room with me <laughs> i don't want to be alone with the room with you now 
<laughs> I can see what you're saying that it would be you because one, yeah. you're already the crazy one. And like, who uh, else? Who else in externs would be? It? Also, for those listening who don't know what externs is, it's just a Slack channel with a group of her friends. Yes, it's a group of about twelve. Uh, I feel like there's more than twelve people at the spot. Yeah, but I'm thinking the mains. You know, the, the, main, okay. the main characters, the people that show <laughs> up. Exactly, not the, the guest characters. cast, <laughs> not the <laughs> not the, the silent main. lurkers. You well, know who you I are. I think that we should absolutely explore this idea. I also will say you just can't have a reality show like this with people that aren't insanely rich. Because yeah. the reason that most people wouldn't go that extreme is because we're busy people that have things to do. Mm-hmm. When you just have money and time, you can be that terrible. And, like, you have the time for that drama. Like, everything you're talking about right now, on the one hand, it sounds amazing. On the other hand, I'd be like, I just don't have time for you. Yeah, like, the amount of fucking <laughs> excursions and trips they all take together is absolute insanity. Like, if we if we somehow were able to do that all the time, like, imagine this, like, externship we have coming up in, what is it, July? july yeah in july imagine how insanity how insane that would be like we do the ride over i would create some drama (laughs) probably throw some chips at somebody you know like (laughs) crush them on their floor or whatever just to create some drama then i'd get there and nobody would want to be around me and then i'd just be sulking by the pool is what would happen (laughs) like i've created these scenarios now in my head because i'm like this is how it would go down this is how uncomfortable i make people on the trip but then, like, somebody would be like, oh, I feel really bad for Nat. So I'll just, like, sidle up to her and talk shit about this person. What I'm confused by is why you think that's not you now. You know? Want me to cut your face? <laughs> Come for me. I, I, if Listen, if we had to pick which one of if it's us between the two of us is going to destroy the other, I feel pretty confident in that win. <laughs> like, physically? Physically? No, I meant, no, I assumed mentally. Um. Physically, I assume we'd both get tired immediately. <laughs> That's when I you, come in. You underestimate me. Have you seen me shovel a driveway? No, and I don't care to. But this isn't shoveling a driveway. This is you seen me shovel a driveway? <laughs> if it's pure physical prowess, on the one hand, I feel like Steph would technically have us on muscle. But I think our, cent- or like our, our center of gravity and our body mass is at such that like it doesn't matter how strong Steph is. We've got the block. But I can dodge. Steph, Steph, have you gotten into a fight before? I think we would just need to tire you out. You know what I'm saying? Like, I would just need to stand there and wait until you exhausted yourself. Like a physical fight? Yeah, like a physical fight. Uh, I don't think so. It's never a physical fight. It's always an emotional, uh, mental, a a battle of mental You think you could break me down emotionally? Yes. I mean, if I needed to, probably. Yeah, I could probably break down pretty pretty quickly emotionally. But that could be to your disadvantage. I might go insane and start attacking people. You don't know. I could be like an animal in the corner. We don't know how that reaction is going to go. Also, we do know I have a history of saying very poisonous words that make people think about it for years. (laughs) So when I get venomous, I get real venomous. I feel confident that I'd be fine. (laughs) Yeah, you would probably be fine, but... (laughs) Steph, I'm coming for you. Is what I'm saying. I don't. Mm. I could. I could get. I don't want that. Mm. I don't need that. I just leave. Be like, okay, bye. You be. Oh my god, you be the Meredith of the group, disengaging. But meanwhile, calling the FBI on you. I feel like this is no longer entertaining for regular people to listen to. Uh, False. So I'm gonna say after that cut that we just made, that huge cut, that six minute cut. That's six minute cut. So Shaws of Sunset, huh? Shaws of Sunset. Basically, everyone should watch it. Actually, nobody should watch it, but also watch it so that I have somebody to talk to about it because I find it entertaining. 
and that's it you don't need to watch the rest just watch that one <laughs> watch it for the spreads because then you might end up like me ordering a little too much fucking greek or persian food sitting here eating like three days worth of leftovers like a crazy person because their spreads are so delicious anyway christina what's your trash tv so i actually did struggle because i have seen a lot of reality tv in my life what steph said while i wasn't a fan of the hills i knew a lot of people that watched the hills so like i had seen a good amount of it and a lot of my intro to reality tv was actually my mom would be watching it and because we would have one big tv in the living room i would end up also watching it and i can't say that i wasn't also sucked in i've talked before about how there's one season of keeping up with the kardashians specifically i think it's uh chloe and courtney go to the hamptons that i watched the entire season in a day while it was just playing on bravo because i was or like e or whatever so i was like oh my god i have to see this um and that is i think with trash tv what i've realized as time's gone on i can do one season and i can get heavily invested season one of selling sunset which i think we all watched heavily invested i tried season two i could get through like two episodes there was a part of me that's just like, wow, you guys are still having this argument. Like, I just need you to move on to something better. Like, keep the drama, keep the level, but new things to argue about, please. Like, arguably, I feel like Cheer is also on that same level. I was obsessed with season one. I think it was probably a mistake to go to back to the exact same school in season two. Because by the time we got to the, like, by the end of the first episode of Cheer, I was like, I don't care about this at all. Like... This is not entertaining anymore. It's the exact same show as season one, except there was a pandemic. Like, yeah, like I really... preferred like the episodes where they're focusing on the other school because I'm like, this yeah. is more interesting. The other school is more interesting to me. The coaches are more interesting. The students are more interesting. Yeah, and I also just think like because you don't know them. Like, yeah. I, I just don't think feel like you could keep going back to it. And the well, it was of, a like, it was a tale as old as time. Fame changed them. for the worst but also let's be honest monica wasn't that great to begin with so watching Mm -hmm. a second season of her i didn't actually really care about oh yeah like when they're like trying to give like her like an like a you're trying to be sympathetic with her but you're just like you're a white bitch in texas i like don't care about (laughs) you and like oh you got your dream of going on dancing with the stars don't care um so i ended up going with i think my trash tv that i managed to stick with for a couple seasons is fictional and it's actually by the same writer um, of Emily in Paris and of uh, Sex in the City, which is, I don't think on its face is trash TV, but certainly it's trash TV adjacent. I think Sex in the City is probably the first, like the first one they did, not the remake, had a lot of benefit of being like, quote unquote, I don't want to say revolutionary, but I can't, ahead of its time or Riskier, whatever. yeah. Riskier, yeah. Like it was doing different things. And I think that saved it. But the guy that made those shows also made Younger. Mm. And Younger, and I think most of our audience probably knows about Younger because Younger is about the publishing industry. And it's about, like, a woman who's in her 40s, who was a stay-at-home mom, whose daughter is, like, 18, 19, off to college. She just divorced her husband because he was cheating on her, I think. And she wants to restart her life. And the last job that she had was in the publishing industry. She has an English Lit degree. She wants to go back into that. But as we all know, the publishing industry is impossible to get into. And so she was struggling. But in her mind, it's because she was old. And now we all know that an old white lady would have probably no problems getting into the publishing industry. Um, There is some ageism, to be fair, in what she's talking about. But like, she realistically would have been fine. 
But in the universe of the show, she makes the decision to pretend to be fresh out of school. And she tells people that she's like 25 or something like that, even though she's clearly, don't get me wrong, she looks good for her age, but she's clearly not 25 years old. She dresses in like her daughter's clothes and she applies for internships, an internship, and she gets it because the only thing, because again, she was still just a white lady. So truly the only thing holding her back was her age because the moment she was a 25 year old white lady, she got an executive assistant job for an editor um, and immediately got the chance to, again, mostly do assistant work, but also she started reading manuscripts and making notes and blah, blah, blah. That show is fucking bad. I People talk about Younger and they talk about it like it's good. And those people are wrong. Younger is bad. It's hilarious to watch from being even publishing ad- adjacent. Because like every show about an industry, it's so wrong about everything that it's hilarious to watch. You're like, that would never be how that works. Like, that's not how books get made. That's not how fast things happen. But it's still hilarious. But I hung on to that. I watched five seasons of that show. Just watching this 45-year-old pretend to be 20 while working with uh, Hilary Duff, who played um, an, like a slightly above her level. So she was like an, an editor, an assistant editor rather than an editor's assistant. And she eventually like heads up her own publishing group. Like the, the way that things happen in this show is garbage it would never you know that makes me realize though if this person also wrote emily in paris he just likes writing about industries he knows nothing about because marketing in emily in paris is a very similar yeah. vibe it's like oh i'm just gonna change my instagram handle to emily in paris and post anything and like those fucking memes of like somebody posting next to a trash can is like yeah. my favorite one because it's like three million likes that's how easy social media <laughs> is yeah, no, 1000%. This dude is obsessed with these kinds of industries, very like arty adjacent. Let's be honest, he just wants to write about his own industry, but nobody would make a show about that. So he writes these instead. Um, and it's just, it's so bad. And it's bad in a different way that Emily in Paris is bad. I actually think Younger is better than Emily in Paris. And I think it's because there is some interest in the way that like, the publishing industry is discussed there, but like it would be way better if somebody else made this show. 1000%. It's just comfort, bubblegum, trash TV. Emily in Paris, unfortunately, really ruined trash TV for me because the audacity of that show to get a second season has altered my ability to watch bad shows in general. And I now no longer even want to get enjoyment out of them because I just don't want them to have the numbers. I don't want to talk about them. I don't want to give them any attention. I want to pretend they don't exist because the fact that one of the worst shows ever made could get a second season despite the third and the fourth now. And yeah, guaranteed four seasons despite every single person being like, wow, this show's absolute shit. Even the people that liked it. I watched them. Were like, wow, it sucks. And they got more seasons. I feel like I don't have it in me for trash TV anymore. So even newer up-and-coming reality shows i don't even know that i want to watch that because it's like i feel like i've been ruined because of what happened with emily in paris but i still have to give the amount of props quote-unquote that i can to younger for being the perfect kind of trash tv because i will say too as someone who knows about the publishing industry and as someone who knows about marketing one of the most enjoyable things about those shows were watching them get it wrong and knowing that that's not how it worked and the 
sick twisted enjoyment you get of yelling at the tv being like oh that's just how easy it is you have a marketing idea you put a presentation together and boom you have four million dollars sure emily that's how it works like there is an enjoyment out of that and younger has that too because every single time anyone gets a promotion in younger i laugh my ass off i'm like you were in publishing Unless you were working there for 20 years, you're not getting a promotion. These aren't people that are in HR and publishing. They're in editing. Those people stay there forever. They die in those roles. And that show didn't know how to address that. But I got to give it, I will say, if you had to give Trash TV a moment of your time, it's trash white nonsense. But there is something a little bit about it that just kind of keeps you coming back for more. But I had to stop. I couldn't do the most recent season. And it's Emily in Paris that did it. Emily in Paris has ruined me for everything. I now will stop watching TV if I'm not, like, if I if I don't like it, even if I am kind of enjoying, like, I don't like it, but I'm enjoying it. I will now stop watching it because I just think of Emily in Paris getting four seasons and I get enraged. Yeah, that won't stop me from Shots of Sunset. <laughs> Yo, listen, if you're fine, if you if it works, it works, you know, do it. Uh, it's gotten because to the point where, like, one of the characters in there, I found her fucking clothing website, and now I'm buying her clothes. Like, wh- who am I? Who am I? Insane. That's absurd. Don't support people, though. <laughs> no, but she's she's good. Okay. And sure. <laughs> she's my I'll favorite out of the whole group. And but she feels, like, only... beautiful, beautiful outfits. But I will say for, like, the trash reality, I do enjoy... I like competition. I prefer the competition ones to just rich people sitting around because the concept of rich people sitting around has become even harder after the pandemic. I I know you really like Salt Lake City. I wanted to watch it because I thought the Mormon thing would be funny. I got through one episode and I was I I no longer can just watch rich people being rich. I, it's completely removed from me after everything that's been going on. But I have always enjoyed competition rally shows, but I can't do dating competition. I think that's absurd. And I really do prefer, like, UK competition shows, The Great British Bake Off being the number one, where, again, the fact that there are no stakes and that the only thing that you win is a title and a cake plate is the funniest fucking thing in the world to me. (laughs) And that's what makes that show enjoyable. And that is why I love Nailed It as well. Like, I want people, I even wish School of Chocolate had eliminated the competition aspect altogether, because I think that show would have been a lot better if it had. I... Even though I do love competition cooking shows. Another trash show that I could watch for my entire life, Chopped. Chopped, I wa- I spent so much of my life watching Chopped because it was just like, there was a point where if you had real cable, it was on Food Network virtually 24-7. There was always an episode of Chopped What's going on. What's the episode, is that Chopped, where there's that Asian guy that comes out of the floor is like mangoes today's secret ingredient is mangoes. what fucking show was that it was I'm so no funny i always have it stuck in my head forever i don't know maybe that was master chef i don't know i don't oh it might have been master chef because i think on master chef uh, no no not my master chef iron chef Iron Chef, Iron Chef, they would be, it would be two Iron Chefs that would go up against each other and they'd be given an ingredient that they had to focus on. Yeah, it had to be that one. So it was probably that. And I will say, I love, I think competition cooking is my favorite. That's where, because there's always an element of like, cooking just feels accessible in a way like you can judge it. 
more than other shows. Like, I feel very confident judging cooking shows, even though I could never make what they're making. But it's also, it is definitely subjective when you're judging because some people have different tastes than others, too. absolutely. But also, sometimes Bobby Flay is in it. And so you can judge everything that he makes because nothing, none of it is good. And so after that cut... That, I don't even remember where we dropped off, guys. We ended up going on a tangent. And for your sake, our audience, because we love you, we've cut it out. Uh, thanks so much for listening to us. Once again, this week, we will you will hear from us next week. If you want to tell us about your favorite trash TVs or your specific thoughts on what classifies trash TV, you can reach out to us on Instagram and on Twitter. Or if you have any suggestions for any books that involve eating ass. That, no, that's going to be coming out <laughs> for sure. I also assume that wasn't in the episode. But here's the thing. If that's not in the episode, you should still keep that part in. No context. Because I talked to some people on our channel. <laughs> in our Slack. Steph wants to know, what are the books where there's a lot of eating of ass? Steph is basically trying to learn a new skill. It's taking and me so back. She's looking for Aww. your advice. <laughs> you like to read about it, but you don't want to do it, huh? Correct. <laughs> Correct. And so on that note, thanks again for listening. Check us out next week. Bye. Bye. The main character rims the other main character. A tongue in a butthole. Yeah, yeah. There's a tongue in a butthole and it's very explicit. Typically, I feel like rimming is written from the perspective of the rimmy and not the... Or the rimmer and not the rimmer. And then someone was like, what do you mean? Rimming never happened in Cresley Cole? And I'm like, no. Swirling tongues, a lot of playful... Some, if it's badly written, you'll hear someone like, he was French kissing my asshole. Special, I, 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 I